Welcome to the Eyewitness Podcast. I'm your host, Kelly Jo Wilson, and this is the show for women who struggle to accept their worth, but want to embrace their gifts and share their witness for Jesus. We have a great show today about finding hope in the darkness. Our guest is my friend and fellow author, C.J. Malasi. C.J. writes stories for teens and young adults with heart-pounding action and hope. As a referee, she's always relearning the hard lesson that it's impossible to make everyone happy. And she's discovered that stories can be found anywhere, even on a lacrosse field. She's passionate about crafting stories of good overcoming evil, finding hope amid seemingly hopeless circumstances, and true acceptance. Welcome, CJ. I'm so happy to be talking to you today. Thank you so much for having me, Kelly. I am thrilled to be here with you. Yes, yes, yes. So just to let our listeners know, so CJ and I are good friends. Uh, I am so happy to learn more of CJ's story today. Uh, We are in a writer's group together. And I just love I love our group. I love how much fun we have and how crazy it is and (laughs) our our little bond getting each other through the 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 writing journey. Um, So but I'm really happy to learn more about your story and your what really got you into writing and what got you into reaching wanting to reach the art audience that you are reaching. Um, so why don't you start by just kind of telling everybody telling us about your journey to finding Jesus and how you like some of those challenges that you overcame, and how that kind of led you to wanting to you know, your calling really to write for the the young women that you write to. Okay, yes, I would love to. So I grew up in a Christian family, two fantastic parents, my mom and dad both loved the Lord. So I grew up in a household where we went to church, Jesus was a part of conversation, praying at dinner tables, you know, reading stories that had the Bible in it and about different characters throughout scripture and all of that. So I grew up in this fantastic home environment, which as I've gotten older, I've grown to appreciate more than I ever did, I think, as a kid, you know, but I just had a safe, secure home environment. But I was a little terror, according to my parents, as even a young child. So um, my mom wouldn't know what to do with me. I would be crazy going, just making her pull her hair out. I have very strong will and (laughs) thought I knew everything, even as like a three-year-old, which is scary. But um, I, I remember we went to the small Baptist church, um, when I was young. And I, it was one of those churches where the kids were in with the parents. So we were hearing the same message that my parents were hearing. And I remember the pastor talking about hell and how you, um, if you don't have Jesus as your savior, that's your, you know, you're going to go to hell. And it was, it was a very harsh message looking back. Like there really wasn't a lot of, you know, grace in there, but it was still true. And I I realized I was four years old. It's my earliest memory probably. And I realized at that moment that I was bad and I needed Jesus. Like I remember having that distinct understanding as such a, a young child. So I waited when I got home, I talked to my dad about it. And I was like, it said I want to attach Jesus into my heart. I wanted to be saved. And he explained everything to me more. And I, that night I prayed, I that was that first moment for me of being like, I understand I need a savior. And I know a lot of people, they have that early childhood experience often, but then they walk away from the Lord and they're like, okay, I'm 
now I'm going to go be crazy. And then I come back and, you know, and, and I see God's grace through all of that as well. But for me, he was gracious and he kept me. Um, my parents again were fantastic and they really discipled my brother and me. We understood early that reading our Bible should be a part of our Christian walk. So they were really, they did that themselves. They encouraged us to do it when we said we wanted to follow Jesus. They're like, okay, well, you want to get to know him, you know, read your Bible, pray every day, make this a part of your life. And so that became a part of my daily routine. And I was in the word, I was reading, I was praying, and I was growing in my faith. But I was a teen and then a young adult, I graduated high school, had a bit of an abnormal um, high school experience. I graduated from the community college with my associate's degree a week and a half before I walked for my high school graduation. Dual enrollment. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> yes. That's so, awesome. It, yeah. So I, I had all these plans. I was like, okay, I'm going to do this and that, and God just bless my plans. Like, that was my mentality. And now I look at that and I'm like, oh, that's probably not the best mentality, but I'm just 17, 18 years old. And that was like my thought process. Like, I'm going, charging ahead. God, look at this great idea, five-year plan mapped out. And just, where's that approval stamp? Just stick it right on there. And that's what we're going to do. And I he let me like the Lord really was like, okay, if you want to go, it wasn't anything sinful. I even had some decent motivation, I think, but overall it was very much just me. I wasn't seeking the Lord for his direction. It was very much me. Like, this is what I want. And, um, I, one of my biggest turning points in my faith was going, I went to the Disney college program, which was in Walt Disney world in Florida for three and a half months. And I went, I was 18 years old. I was like the youngest kid there because I, turned 18 in May, and then had graduated from community college, so I could apply because I had been in college. So I was so young, and this was my first time away from home. I'm living in this place. Nobody saved around me. And I just was, like, thrust into this into this world that was darker and crazier than I realized in so many ways. And I my family support system was at home. <laughs> they weren't with me. You know, I had no church community, no family. I didn't have a car. I had to take the bus. So this was like the first moment in my life where I was realizing I need more than just me. I need more than just my plans. And I realized I had a desperate need for community. Um, I needed to have others in my life. I couldn't, I was reading my Bible still. I was still seeking Jesus, but it was like different. I didn't have that fellowship that I had taken for granted my whole life, really. And I remember my brother came to visit me. I had, I was in an apartment where there were three bedrooms. So there were six girls in it. Two of my roommates absolutely hated me. They wanted like nothing to do with me. I'd never been hated before. It was a totally new experience. I was like that kid in school that kind of just melted into the background. No one really noticed me for, for good or bad. It was just, I was just there. And so being hated was like this extreme emotion that I was like, oh, what? I don't understand why they hated my Bible would be left out on the counter. They didn't like that. You know, it was little things like that. Um, realizing later that they hated me for Jesus in me more than anything I was doing. Um, but my yeah. one roommate that I shared a room with, she didn't hate me, but she had some mental health issues and she went off her medication while I was there. And I remember coming home from work and I'd unlocked the door and I could hear from our room all the way up the back of the apartment, I could hear her wailing and just like these cries and I was 18 and this little baby who had no idea how to handle any of this. And 
it was in that moment, like my brother ended up visiting me. He's younger than me, uh, but we were always really close. And he came down and I remember just talking with him about the Lord. We went to church. Um, we He prayed for me and I just sobbed. And it was like I had been in a desert mm. and no one told me I was dying of thirst. But as soon as I started drinking water, my body realized how much it needed it. And it just felt like that to my soul. And in that moment, just starting to understand like, I need more than I think I need. And God understands that more than me. And he spoke to my heart and he was like, I know you have plans, the things you think you want, but this is what that's starting to look like. Do you want to surrender your life to me so that I can take it and do with it what I want? And it was in that moment that I have like in my mind, that turning point in my faith where I really made that decision. Yeah, I'm going to choose what God has for me, even when it doesn't make sense to me, even when it doesn't make sense to anybody else. And it was that moment specifically, I was like, I can't do this well. I can't plan this out myself. I need him. And I think that was a big surrender point for me. And then from there, just kind of uh, came, I ended up leaving the program early, which was hard for me because I'd like to finish things. (laughs) So, but it just was really clear (laughs) that it was like, okay, I need to go. And um, so I came home and then the Lord just really started moving in different ways in my life. Um, and I went, ended up going to Bible college with my brother a year and a half later to Italy, actually, which was really cool. So we went there. Yeah, I got to experience another culture and we went for a semester and that was a really neat experience, kind of the opposite of my Disney experience. You know, I'm now I'm rooming with Christian girls and I'm getting fellowship and we're seeking we're reading the Bible and we're seeking the Lord and going all around this gorgeous Italian countryside. So it was a very, very cool experience and um, then came back and the Lord just started to direct me while I was home and I ended up um getting involved at my church in the youth ministry and stuff. Um, but then I didn't understand certain things. Like the, I had a great ex- life experience really in so many ways. I've been through some stuff that was hard, lost people I loved, but a lot of my experience was good. I had a great home, a great family. And so the kids I was talking to, so many of them didn't have that. And a lot of them struggled with depression and anxiety and they weren't things that had really been a part of my life. And I hit this moment in my early twenties where I had been struggling with health issues. Uh, I had some rejection from different friends and stuff that had been really hard. And then I just went into this dark season that it was like that dark night of the soul thing that you, you know, you, you can, you read about or whatever. And I remember this depression, this darkness that just was so black that I was sure I was never coming out of it. And I struggled in that time with doubts about my faith. I'd never had that struggle. I I had, I believed in God. I believed Jesus was this, my savior. That had never been any kind of an issue for me. And then suddenly here I was in my early 20s and I was like, I don't, I don't know if I believe in God. I, I, how do I believe this? And it was these doubts that were insidious. They would just rip at my heart really. And I would drive to work and just sobbing. I was working with kids in youth ministry. I knew people were watching my life and I would just like, God, if I'm going to walk away from you, if then just take me home now. Like I, I don't want to live another day on this earth. If the rest of my life is going to be apart from you, I'd rather be in heaven. I'd rather end my life now with a legacy of faith than continue forward and walk away from you. And I would just cry my way to work 
not recommended. It's not a very safe way to drive. And then I would show <laughs> up and still be alive and be like, okay, well, I guess I'm, you're not done with me today. And so I'd go and I'd work and I'd do the things in front of me. And um, through this season, I had friends and family who were praying with me and for me. I was pretty open about a lot of it. I didn't share everything with everybody. I was kind of ashamed that I was struggling with doubts and didn't know other people who had that same intense struggle. It felt very um, much like this was just me and I was being crazy. And how can you share that with people? But I, a lot of my, or I had a, a small group of really close people who do, did know that I had these struggles, that I was in this really dark place. So they were praying for me and they were there for me. And I remember my um, one friend saying to me, uh, Carly, the Lord's going to get you through this. Like, he's going to bring you out. This is a season. He's going to bring you to the other side. And I was so annoyed with her. Mm. I was like, you don't know that. And, <laughs> and I, you know, she's quoting verses and I was like, whatever. I don't know that that's true. And, you know, spoiler alert, he totally brought me through. But um, it was, <laughs> in that moment, it felt like it was not going to happen. But I had in, in my life, I had all these times where I'd open my Bible every day and I'd read and I had all these, this stuff invested in me through these years. And one of the things that was a daily part of my life was getting up and reading my Bible. And there were days I had no idea how to pray. I felt like the Bible was something that I wasn't going to get anything out of, but I'd open it and I'd read a Psalm and I would just sob because the things in my heart that I couldn't put into words, it was like the Psalmist from hundreds, thousands of years ago, he knew and he wrote it down. And that prayer was exactly what I needed that day. And looking back, I really believe one of the things that preserved me in my faith was continually being in the word, even on those in those moments where I was confident it was doing absolutely nothing. And I learned the power that God's word does not return void and it accomplishes what he pleases. And he does work through that. And so God really, he brought me through, he brought me out of that darkness. He broke those chains and those doubts from my mind. And after that, I have been able to sit down with so many more kids and girls and <clears throat> young women and be able to say to them, hey, like, even in the darkest moments, Jesus can show up and meet you there because I watched him do it for me. And I watched him show up when I was at my weakest, most broken state. And I started to understand that like those mental struggles and that depression and anxiety, they were real struggles that were bigger than I under had understood previously. So I watched God take this really awful thing in my life and then by his grace, use it for something good. And so that was probably one of like the biggest challenges in my early um, walk with Christ. And then from there, he just was like, okay, now I want you to take what I've taught you here. And I want you to, to share this with other people, which was hard. That first time you're like, I had doubts about my faith. You feel like the worst, like youth leader, <laughs> you know, <laughs> but then at the same time, it was something that resonated. How many had grown up in the church, but they didn't, they had questions. They didn't understand. And I, one of the things I'm a firm believer in is if, if we don't start with the real issue that you're struggling with, we can't really move forward. I don't want the right Christian answer. I want to know what's going on. And then we have a, we have a place to start from. You give the right answer and we never know the heart of the issue. And because I had understood the importance of that in my own life, I was able to not judge others and have these conversations that could by God's grace, encourage young women and point them to him. And so I uh, worked with the youth for a while. 
I, a lot, I think one of the reoccurring themes in my life is I've had a lot of um, personal relationships that have broken apart, a lot of uh, feelings of rejection. And so that, which is also very helpful when dealing with teens. Um, they, they all experience that too. But um, I, and I just watched God though graciously keep me close to himself and walk with me through those times. And um, in the middle of that is when I started to hear from a lot of the kids I was working with, like about the books they were reading and which is kind of what led me down to like where I am today. Um, Cause they, they'd be like, Oh, I'm reading this book. And so I, I love reading I'm a big fan. Um, so I would go read the books they were reading and I would be shocked at the things that were in these young adult novels. And so I just was like, uh, that's not good. And that was kind of the thing that was like, Oh, something else needs to happen here, uh, started looking for books and I couldn't find any at the time that were actually interesting, good books that had hope in them and Christian themes in any way, even a Christian worldview. And so that was when the Lord really started to poke on my heart, like, okay, if you can't find it, then you should write it. And I had never thought of being an author before that day. And that was the moment that the Lord was like, okay, new plan, new direction, which kind of hearkened back to him, you know, that Thing he put on my heart of I'm going to lead you and it's going to look different than what you think. So yeah, it's and that's since, great. Yeah, it's, it's been cool. <laughs> I love it. I love that you had never even thought about being an author because you're so good at it. <laughs> you know, like, look what he's done in you. But I just want to go back a little bit to what you said. Thank you so much for sharing that too. Um, and we'll, we'll definitely expand on it a little bit. But I just want to touch on the fact that you were, like you said, you grew up in the Christian home. Your parents had really planted those seeds in you and your brother and had regimented kind of things that you do, but also just kind of you set aside that time to meet with Jesus, to meet with the Lord, to read the word, to be in it, really trying to equip yourself. And it sounds like your parents really equipped you both on you, you know, with the armor of God, you know, um, get staying in his word, keeping that going and then even with that and even taking it with you to going whenever you went to Disney college and taking it there among people who don't do that who were very weary probably of that and didn't understand it didn't know maybe thought that they would a lot of times I feel like people feel like when somebody just has a Bible out or is a Christian person, they just know you're a Christian person. It's like they feel judged maybe a bit themselves or they think you are because we're all the same. Like we're all the same in that. We always think that someone is thinking bad about us or judging us or, you know, it, it's always like such a personal insecurity, I feel like. So, and then uh, sometimes other people, good people especially can bring that out even more um, which may have been happening I don't know but even in that situation reading and, and and feeling that rejection even from them you're still like staying faithful and you're staying true but you know I, I love that you said that you even making those choices going down there that you really uh, you were choosing and you were making all these plans yourself but then it wasn't until you surrendered that you really understood like 
it's really not about me. So even having that, because I feel like I've, I've talked with a lot of women, uh, a lot of women reach out to me that have it a little bit from the, the other side, that they maybe didn't have a lot growing up, didn't really know Jesus, didn't stay in the word. Um, and then something happened that kind of led them there. But I like that your story is almost, it's a little reversed. Like you had this foundation set for you. But even with that foundation, you still are having to surrender and say, hey, you know what? I'm sorry. I'm like making all these plans, but it's got to be you to do it. I can't do it. I can't do this. And I think that's a really good uh, thing to share. And then also you touched on the fact of the fellowship. You really learned how important it is because I feel like being the fact that you graduated college before High school, I think that that just tells us how motivated and how capable you are <laughs> of doing amazing things. Um, so, so knowing that too, knowing your own, like the distance you're willing to, to go to yeah. make sure things happen. Like you said, you don't like not finishing things. Mm-hmm. Um, to know, I feel like surrender is really hard. I've, I've struggled with that myself too. It's very hard once you're trying to ju- handle all the balls, juggle all the balls in the air, and you're like, I, I can do this, I can do this. It's it's really hard because usually it's, at, it's in those times that God makes it most apparent that you need to stop and you just got to let him work. And it sounds like he really, he really worked in you, especially um, – going through that really hard time whenever you felt very depressed and such. Now, when you said you shared that with people around you, so um, and in your personal relationships, did you have people embrace that about you? Or did you have people um, brush it off? Because I feel like sometimes when you feel like that, it's hard enough to even say something because mm-hmm. you just think it's just you. Like you said, you think yeah. it's just you, you think you're just you know, it's it, or especially like how you're so capable, you just want to handle it and then move on. You yes. know, you don't want to share essentially. So I feel like it's a really hard place to be vulnerable in that way and to share. So how did your people around you kind of receive that when you talked about it? Yeah, well, you're absolutely right. I am very much a I'll handle it and move on kind of a person. I don't like I don't like being fussed over. If, even since as a little kid, if I got hurt, I didn't want anyone to come near me or touch me. I was going to get up and I was going to be fine without your help. Thank you very much. You know, and I totally <laughs> turned that into adulthood. Yes. <laughs> so I, I think when I don't, I didn't necessarily share it immediately. I had, I think there was enough of a change in me that the, maybe my closest friend and my family, like my immediate family, my brother, my parents saw that shift in my personality Mm -hmm. in how I was acting. And I think that was probably the catalyst for bringing out of Mm -hmm. me what was happening. It wasn't necessarily that I was like, Ooh, I'm going to come talk to you about this. It was more, (laughs) uh, Oh, actually I'm going to sit over here and pretend nothing's wrong. And even though my face is saying everything is wrong and I, a part of me wanted somebody to ask, I think I was happy, even if I was brushing them off, I wanted them to push me and find out. And there were probably four or five, like just my 
two closest friends maybe and my immediate family that actually did that. And I'm really good at being okay for everybody else. So it was just the ones who really knew me well. I can't win any awards for vulnerability. Um, that's That was not the case then. But I think when I eventually finally was willing to share, uh, after some pressure, that was when they were already primed, I think, to receive what I was going through. So they didn't brush it off as quickly. Now, there were plenty of others who didn't ask or notice, you know. So in that sense, I think people are happy to take you at face value, even when you need them to, to reach below that surface and really dig and find out what's wrong. And I learned through that that I... I do need to be vulnerable more than I want to be, especially in those hard times. But thankfully, the Lord put people in my life who are willing to dig, um, even when I didn't want to offer it right away. Does that make sense? <laughs> Absolutely, for sure. I was just going to say that. I'm so grateful to the people that you had around you because I feel like, you know, I think sometimes, especially when people go through a tough time, I think people don't necessarily, it's not like they don't want to or they they don't care. I think that anytime that you look into somebody else's life and they're going through a hard time, it always makes us look in the mirror. Mm. And I think that's what's most fearful with most people is that they or they don't know what to say. They don't know how to handle it. They don't know what to do, especially when there's like darker thoughts or things that you're going through that they never experienced. They just don't know how to handle it. So they kind of turn the other cheek, not in a mean way, but in a, in a way that I just don't know how I can help kind of thing. So I am so grateful that you had people around you that didn't and whether it be family or not, you know, cause you, you would assume that, you know, your closest family members would be the ones to notice, but that's not always the case. You know, sometimes it's, it's, a person you would never think. Sometimes it's somebody who you would absolutely not ever pick that God puts in your life, that they just help you and they care, you know? Um, but I'm so happy that you came through that, that you really were still trying to be vigilant and reading the word because like you said, it doesn't return void and that is so true and it's different. So you think about, you could have, most likely ministered or been part of the youth ministry with how your upbringing, being in the word, learning about God, really being, having that passion, even from such a young age for Jesus and just his love and seeing it work in your life. But how much different is it now being on kind of both sides on that spectrum, like going, walking a path of darkness yourself and now whenever these, especially teens nowadays, teens yeah. and young women, young adults, uh, I feel like nowadays it's so, so needed to have that hope and positivity because everything around us, there's just been so much, even since the pandemic and since mm -hmm. it's just, everything is so difficult and there's such, on that specific population of people, there's just such a, all this pressure to be a label or to, to, to be something that they aren't sure what that means. And, you know, it just, I see it in my, in my nieces and my, you know, family. And it's just, I love that you were so called to reach them in those ways, because I feel like there's no other way or there's, 
no better way for you to be able to reach them other than through your own story too, because that really resonates. It's funny because you said um, saying the right Christian answer. Yes, I feel like so many people think that like, okay, what am I supposed to say here? Because I cannot tell the truth because I'll be judged, you know, Mm. but really the right Christian answer is no, tell the truth because you won't be judged. You will be held. Yeah. And it's, I, I just love that you're doing that. So, so what about, so are you still in the, the youth ministry now too, like with your church? Are you still working with young, young adults that in that way? So I have stepped back a little because of health and then life reasons, but I still have the group of kids that I um, connected with. Some of them are not kids anymore. A couple of them are married. Oh, and, uh, <laughs> they're growing up. That's when I realized how long I've been in this for. Um, but it's, so I oh. have the ones that I, I'm still very connected with in a more mentor discipleship basis that I've maintained those relationships. Um, and we get together, you know, different times at different points and stay connected in that way. So I felt like because of the shifts in my own personal life that, and the time commitment I needed for the youth ministry at the church I was involved in at that point, I needed to shift that focus. And the Lord does give us things for times and seasons for sure. And I think one of the neat things now, even as I'm writing books to reach that same target demographic. I have teens and young adults that I would never have met other than through my writing who will email me and ask me questions and ask me to pray for things. And that's been such a neat experience too, to see how God does still put these kids in my life in different ways and manners than I ever anticipated. So yeah, it's shifted. I was in the youth ministry for over a decade, actually. So um, I think 11 or 12 years by the time I finished that particular season. And then still, yeah. So I have a lot of kids that I stay connected with, or they're not kids, they're adults now. (laughs) Some of them, some are still young, (laughs) but um, yeah. So there'll always be kids to you. Like exactly. such a motherly figure, you know, it's, they're yes. always my kids. Yes. They're exactly. 40. They're always my kids. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> yes. So, but yeah, it's, it's been neat. I think one of the things that the Lord, because of my need for someone to dig in my own life when I was struggling, I think that was something they would get so annoyed with me, the teens that I was working with. And cause I would just, I bug them. I'd ask the question when their face said a different answer than the words that came out of their mouth. I didn't let it drop because I knew I needed someone to do that for me. And like you said, yeah. not not a lot of those kids had great homes. I I mean, the divorce rate, even just statistically, it's what, 50% or something, even in the church. And so mm-hmm. you're dealing with just from a total statistical standpoint, at least half of these kids have a divorce coming from a divorced home. And so many of them have absentee parents and they're just not around. And how many of them just didn't have a mom who cared and they didn't know what unconditional love was. And so it was just, they needed someone to push and they didn't have that anywhere else. And I feel like because of what I had gone through, I understood that even when you say you don't want it, that's not always true. And you know, there's the ones who really don't want it and you figure that out, but others, they would break at some point and we'd have a really good conversation. And it was just like, you're not going to scare me with the things you're asking. You're not going to scare me with what you've done. I'm going to love you no matter Mm. what. But the best thing to start this conversation is to actually start the conversation. Like, let's have the beginning of this because then grace can enter and then God's love can come and then his forgiveness can be a part of this equation. 
And we can discover together the reality that I've learned in my own life, that God does not waste our pain and he does not waste the things that we've gone through in our lives. And he will use it for a purpose and it is bigger than we understand, but he is so faithful. And you aren't ready necessarily to hear that right away, but we will walk through that together until you can hear it and see it for yourself. And so it was something, even in that way that I watched God used something in my own life that was so hard as a teacher to bring me to a place that I could then comfort others with the comfort I'd received from him and from his body, from those around me. So yeah, it's, it's uh, amazing to see how he works in that way. Oh, it's the best. It's the best. That's the whole purpose, CJ, of this podcast is really to talk about how God has really impacted our lives, your life, and how he's using that for purpose like you said it was that's what a beautiful testimony and just what a beautiful thing to think about too because it's really true and a lot of times people's pain becomes their passion Mm. and that's the that's the also like all good things for those who love god those who love him you know that all things work for good um it's it's amazing to see the things that can come from very difficult situations. And I'm so happy that you came on the other side of that and you're using it and you just have, you know, you were in youth ministry for, for such a long time. And then you were equipped, you know, he's equipping you with this and equipped even just through your personal life to walk. And now you just have a different ministry with your writing, which is amazing. So let's talk a little bit about that. So your writing, you have these wonderful books that you're that you're writing to. Why don't you say, tell us a little bit how you got into how did you even start to focus on that God calls you out, he says, I want you to reach women if you if you're not finding the hope in these stories, then I want you to write it. So what did you do then? Well, I was under the wrong impression that I could just now sit down and write a book and it would be done and I would have figured it out. <laughs> That's wrong. I, I learned that. That's wrong. It doesn't work. <laughs> it doesn't work that way. So I wrote a book. Um, I actually remember one moment with my cousin who's now like my best friend. We are so close. She's four years younger than me. So growing up, we weren't close because it's that classic you're too, you're too young for us to be best friends. Yeah, you know? She was too little. Yeah. You know, I'm, an, I'm a senior and she's a, a freshman in high school and seniors and freshmen don't hang out, you know? So it was that classic right. thing. But when we became adults, our relationship changed. And one of the biggest changes was a moment when I told her I was writing my a book and she admitted that she was writing a story and we both called ourselves nerds at that point, I think, because she was, she used that word. And um, <laughs> she was like, I was like, well, it fits. I feel that way. But it, we were having so much fun. And we just started brainstorming stories together and had so much fun writing. And that kind of started the process. And I had a, I guess, an critique partner that I didn't even realize that was the word for it, because we would just exchange our stories and brainstorm and talk about the plots and characters and all of that. And that really was what started my journey into writing. At the end of that, uh, she read, we both read each other's stories and realized, wow, these aren't good. And we thought they'd be (laughs) good. And we had like a couple good things, but they were not good. And so that's when I really started to learn the craft of writing. I went to conferences. I grew as a writer and an author and had other critique partners got involved in different groups and everything. And over the years just wrote more and more and 
learned what that looked like. And then God had me set that aside for a while. And that was when he like redefined my idea of success. Um, I met, I was at a, a camp with a youth group and there was one girl there who ended up becoming, she's now my little sister that I never had. Um, but I Aww. remember, yeah, I, we had a conversation and she just shared her, some of her story with me. And it was something that the Lord just like broke my heart for her and also gave me this love for mm. her that I had never, he literally put in my heart a love for her that was crazy and beyond something I had ever known before. And he really, I remember sitting and looking at the water at the camp we were at and just another one of those moments in my faith where it was that turning point kind of thing. And he was like, you know, I, Jesus came and ministered to the one. He would take a individual from a crowd. The crowd did not matter. The individuals in the crowd matter to him. And that's what I want your heart to be. And will you do that? Will you set aside a desire to reach a crowd in order to reach the one? And that mm. was, I set my writing aside for a little bit at that point And really the Lord taught me so much about what that looked like, how to love like Christ and read again, redefined my idea of what success was and realizing if one life, if my story can touch one life and encourage that person for eternity, that is a that is a success that I could never achieve on my own. That's something that God through me did and a work by his spirit and power, not mine. And that would be a success that would radiate through eternity. And I no longer needed a stadium of fans. I needed to just faithfully do the work God called me to and let him by his grace, potentially, hopefully, prayerfully reach that one person with the truth that hope can pierce even the darkest of situations. And so that was that moment of, okay, God, here you go. Another surrender, I guess, another moment of here you go, <laughs> Jesus. And then we, he um, brought me to all these great resources. I started writing again. That's when I met you, Kelly. We got involved in the same ability <laughs> group. I started listening to this podcast and taking every course that the host recommended or taught himself and just started learning more and more about writing. But with now this goal of I want to reach that one, that one person with this message that God's put on my heart. And, you know, and then I want to reach that next person if he, if he will let me, if he will be so gracious. And that's kind of what pushed me to where I'm at now. So I have the first book published at the end of last year and the second one's uh, just about finished. So it's been a crazy process. And that's like the cliff note version. Kelly knows more of it even. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> we, we have, I've just seen God work so faithfully. And just even like Kelly mentioned earlier, the group he put me in, that he put both of us in and just that encouragement mm -hmm. and accountability and friendship that has improved my writing even when it's not critiquing the pages, but talking about it and growing together as people and writers. It's been incredible to watch God work in so many incredible ways. I hope you enjoyed today's show. You'll find links to what we discussed in the blog post version of this episode at eyewitnesspodcast.com. And our show is brought to you today by the Wilson Shop on Etsy. Beautiful designs and encouraging words can change the world. If you're looking for positive messaging on your favorite apparel, journals, and home decor, visit thewilsonshop.com. If this episode encouraged you, please consider sending it to one friend you think would benefit from what we've discussed. 
I'm so grateful for this time with you and thank you for listening.